Stewardship started with God. Stewardship is the responsibility, it's the care, it's the management, watch this church, of another person's resources, another person's property, and another person's financial affairs. Stewardship is so important that not only did God put it in the first book of the Bible, he decided as an example of stewardship to show us how he was a good steward. Before any plant was in the field and before any herb of the field had grown, the Lord had not caused it to rain. Everybody say, Lord, let it rain. The reason, and I'll show you in just a second, that he didn't let it rain is because he didn't have a man to till the ground. Let's say uh, he planted some grapes. The grapes would have withered on the vine. There was no one there to steward it. And so God says, no, 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 I'm not going to waste what I planted. So before I plant it, I'm just going to keep the plant alive with this mist. But I'm not going to let it grow till I put a man in there who can take care of it. Stewardship will make it rain. But lack of stewardship will only keep it sustained. And that's what happens when you don't manage your resources properly. What happens is they stay alive, but they don't grow. Tithing and giving offering has always been God's plan to honor him and prosper us. I don't care what social media says. I don't care what your family says. I don't even care what your mama say. When you give, listen, the church might be the container, but the recipient is the Lord. And see, the average church person doesn't understand that when they don't give the way God wants them to, it's sin just like lying is. God has a standard in how he wants us to give. And the devil don't want us to have the standard. And we as people, we don't want to accept the standard. But see, here's the thing. There are other standards that God has that we don't argue about. I mean, God has a standard for salvation. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and do what? Believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead. What's going to happen? You shall be saved. I don't hear nobody arguing over that. Well, I don't want to confess with my mouth to Lord Jesus. Well, go to hell then. I mean, <laughs> we don't hear nobody arguing over the standard for salvation. And the only reason we argue over the standard that God wants us to give is because our hearts ain't right when it comes to giving. Good stewardship starts with tithing and giving offering. What happens when we learn to do that? Rain is unleashed. Rain represents God's blessing. Rain is unleashed when giving is released. In other words, listen church, blessings, overflow, increase in favor happens when you and I learn to obey God when it comes to our giving. Rain is unleashed when giving is released. Yeah, everybody say rain is unleashed. When giving is released, right there at your seat, grab your Bible, say, this is God's word. Come on, those of you who are watching at home, say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today. I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for Jesus. 
whose blood made a way. So I'm asking in the name of Jesus, as we come boldly to the throne of grace, that you will provide insight, revelation, and understanding into what we're teaching today. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking words, producing spirit in them, and it will produce faith in our hearts. And I thank you that every person under the sound of my voice, and even those who will watch this video later, I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following their lives in a financial way as we receive the word, believe the word, and activate the word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you this morning. Well, as you can see from the review video last week, we started a brand new series entitled Let It Rain. Everybody say, God, let it rain. And this series is directly connected to the theme that we have for 2024 for our church. And the theme is a year of divine stewardship. And the overall goal of our series is to learn how to properly manage our earthly resources so that we qualify for heaven's increase. I'm going to say that again. How many want to see more coming from God in your life? Yes. And the only way that's going to happen is when you and I properly manage our earthly resources so that we qualify for heavenly increase. So faithfulness, everybody say faithfulness. Faithfulness is one of the qualifiers for increase. And so last week what I did, I gave one of the first keys to what I'm going to call divine stewardship. And, and, and what that key was, was us honoring God with the first and with, watch this now, with the giving of offering. Because we learned uh, in Genesis chapter 4, which Pastor Chad referenced, uh, we saw uh, the principle practiced in Genesis 4 when Cain and Abel came to God and they, and they gave to him. And then we saw God accept Abel's giving, but then he turned around and he rejected Cain's giving. And the primary difference that we saw between the two was that Abel gave the first and some fat. Everybody say the first and some fat. And, and Cain didn't do that. Amen. Obviously what Abel gave, what was God, what is what was God wanted them to do. In other words, Abel gave what God wanted them to do. Cain didn't do that. And so I want us to really get this today because many times Church, in church, we, we're told what to do, but we're not taught what to do. And there's a difference between the two. When someone tells you what to do, that means you heard them, but doesn't mean you understood them. But when someone teaches you what to do, it not only allows you to hear what was said, but it also gives you the opportunity to understand what was said. And so when, when Abel came, he, out of his paycheck, out of all these 20s, how many like money? How many like money? Anybody like money? I didn't say you love it. I said, how many like it? Let me see how much it is. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 120, 140. How many like money? How many would like some of this money? I didn't say I would give you some. I just asked. When Abel came, he gave the first one to the Lord. And so we see that principle that Abel gave by, we saw it lived out, or we hear it in principle now in Malachi chapter 3. They're going to put it on the screen. I'm reading out of the NIV this morning, and I'm doing a small review because it bleeds into what I'm teaching this morning. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 8, 
It said, will a man rob God? He says, yet you have robbed me. But you ask, how do we rob you? Rob you? Read it with me, church. In tithes and offerings. And so the first step in stewardship is giving to God. Everybody say the first step in stewardship is giving to God. Now remember, it's not just 10%. That's not it. It's not just giving 10% because you can give 10% and not honor God with it. You say, well, what is it, pastor? It's giving the 10% to him first. Everybody say first. And see, before I move forward, I, I just want you to get that because God wants us to honor him, not with just 10%, but he wants us to do it and give it to him first. Why? Because the first represents honor. Everybody say the first, first. represents honor. See, I hear people all the time and they say stuff like, well, you know what? I don't tie it to my church. I just give it to, to help people. I hear that all the time. And the problem with that is you can't give or help someone with something that doesn't belong to you. I'm going to say that again. You can't give or help someone with something that doesn't belong to you. Say amen to that. Amen. And uh, in Leviticus 27, it really helps us understand that the tithe doesn't belong to us. And see, if we're going to move forward with next level stewardship, we got to get this down. So Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, I want you to read it with me. I'm going to read it out of the King James Version. It says, and come on, let's read together. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the, whose is it? Is the Lord. And then let's continue to read. It is holy unto the Lord. Wow. So here it has, this is how it works, church. It's blessed when God gets it. It's cursed when we keep it. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again. I said, it's blessed when we give it. It's blessed when God gets it. But it's cursed when we keep it. So now I'm going to read a story. This is in Joshua chapter 6. This is kind of helping us today because uh, the, the topic today is keys to maintaining the rain. Because last week, one of the things that I showed you is that you and I, how we decide to give is what determines if God allows it to rain. And so I don't just want it to rain one time in my life. I want it to consistently rain. Say amen to that. And so this morning, I'm going to show you some keys to maintaining the rain. And so I'm going to read Joshua chapter 6. And here's the context of the story. Joshua uh, was leading the people. And, and so the first city that God wanted the children of Israel to take was the, the, the city of Jericho. Now, remember, the first one always belongs to the Lord. And so this was one of the first cities that God was going to have them to take for the children of Israel to possess. And so he gave instructions to Joshua. Joshua gave instructions to the people. He said, hey, listen, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go and we're going to take this city. And uh, he even gave them instructions on how many times they were going to march around the city and what they were going to do. And then this is what he said to them. He said, listen, everything in that city, God is considering it his. So everything needs to be destroyed. And then he pointed out some things that needed to be kept, but it was kept to the Lord. And he was talking about some silver and some gold, and it was supposed to go to the house of the Lord. So let's just pick up Joshua chapter 6, verse 14. It says, in the second day, they compassed around the city, talking about Jericho, and they returned to the camp. So they did that six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day 
that they rose early about the dawning of the day and they circled the city after the same manner seven times. Only that day they circled it or compassed around the city. How many times, church? Seven times. Amen. Only on that day they did it seven times. Verse 16 says, And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew the trumpet, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Watch verse 17. And the city shall be what, church? Everybody say accursed. Now, the word accursed there, when you look it up, I put I put the definition up there uh, or within that verse. It means devoted. It means dedicated. It means something to be destroyed or set apart because it's set, uh, sacred. Because remember, Pastor Chad represented in the tithing offering period. When they brought a, a they their first, when they brought those animals, listen, the priest took what was theirs. And then what happened? They burnt up the rest of it. And so God saw anything that was brought to him. Uh, it's called the curse. And that word accursed means devoted dedicated or something to be destroyed or set apart because it's sacred. And so it goes on to say, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are in there to the Lord. Only Rahab, the harlot, we're going to save because she and all her house, because she hid the messengers. So God honored his agreement with Rahab. Remember, Rahab was the harlot that helped the men come into the city and escape. So then it says, uh, verse, uh, I'm jumping down now to verse 18, Joshua chapter uh, 6, verse 18. I'm now reading this out of the living, New Living Translation. It says, do not take any of the things set apart. That word set apart is the word uh, that we're talking about here. Uh, it's talking about devoted. It's talking about dedicated. It's the word accursed. Do not take any of the accursed or set apart things for destruction. Or you yourselves, listen, this is what happens now when they kept it. You yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Remember now, I started out by saying when God gets it, it's blessed. When we keep it, it's what? It's cursed. So watch verse 19. He says, everything made from silver, from gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and you must bring it into his treasury. So he said, destroy everything, but those items I want you to bring. And so we know the rest of the story. There was a man named Achan. Achan decided to take some of the things and keep some of the things that had been dedicated or consecrated or cursed unto the Lord. And so what happened is nobody knew that happened until they went out to battle. And so they lost a battle to a small city. They didn't even send all their men to fight. They just sent a few men out and they lost the fight. And so Joshua was praying. He was on his knees and he was like, Lord, what in the world are we going to do? If if our enemies hear that we lost the battle to this small city, they're all going to come after us. And so in the middle of Joshua praying, God interrupted him. He said, here's, here's, here's now in verse 10. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Listen, if the Lord interrupts your prayer, get up. He said, get up. Can you imagine you praying and the Lord said, get up. You said, hold on, Lord, I'm not finished talking to you. He said, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. Listen to what he says. They have stolen. Everybody say stolen. 
They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. Notice that God saw them taking it as thievery. Because, listen, you can't keep what's not yours. And so let's see what has happened. It says, they have stolen some things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they've lied about it. And hidden the things among their own belongings. So let me just say this. This is why I'm not going around checking y'all's giving to see who's who's honoring God and who's not. Because God sees you when you give. The, the pastor don't have to know. The priest didn't know. Joshua didn't know. He was the leader of the people. God saw it. So watch verse 12. He said they've hid it among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies to defeat. Now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. So let me just say this. This is why one of the benefits of tithing and bringing offering. Remember the Bible says God will rebuke the devourer. See, that's something you can't do because you're not sure who all the devourers are. Now, we know we have the devourer, the devil. But there are people that are trying to, that the devil is trying to use to devour things that we have. We don't know who they are, but God does. Do you know something similar to what we just read in Joshua happened in the New Testament? And this was where the apostles, listen, all the people were selling land because there was some poor among them. And so what happens? They were distributing goods. They were bringing it to the apostles. The apostles were then distributing it to the people who needed it. And so there was a man named Ananias and there was his wife. Her name was Sapphira. And they actually lied about what they gave. The bad part about it is they didn't have to lie about it because they didn't have to give it. See, what happened is they sold some land and instead of giving it like they said they would, they decided to keep part of it. Amen. And the bad part about it is those people, this is a New Testament example. See, people talk about grace. You know, grace is there for salvation, meaning that God's not holding us to the law when it comes to us getting saved. Thank God for that. Because if not, we would not have a sanctuary this nice. We would have to have an altar getting ready to kill bulls and goats and blood. And I wouldn't be dressed in Gucci. Oh, no, I would have some kind of robe on or something killing all these animals. Listen, Jesus, because of his blood and his sacrifice, it's because of him that we don't have to do that. Amen. And so watch this. They lied to the apostles and then they died on the spot. And the Bible says it brought great fear among everybody. I would think so. Can you imagine that being on social media? Man dies at the church of first God in Christ. Because he lied about his offering. That would be terrible headlines, wouldn't it? Well, let me show you something that's very, very powerful. Because here's what's amazing about this. If we keep what belongs to God, it curses us. But if we return what belongs to God, it blesses us. I'm going to say that again because I'm excited about that. If we keep what belongs to God, it curses us. But if we return what belongs to God, it blesses us. And not only does it bless us, listen church, it also blesses everything we use with it. Romans chapter 11, I said this on last week, I'm just reiterating Romans 11:16. It says, for if the first fruit be holy... Then the lump is holy. Here we go. 
Here we go. This was $120. If a tithe of that is what? 12, right? So let's say the tithe and the offering is 20. He's saying, now, if the first is holy, you know what happens to the rest? It becomes holy. And so that's why when I buy my car, my car is set apart. When I buy my refrigerator, my refrigerator is set apart. When I buy my clothes, they're going to last. Why? Because it's, well, it depends on my eating habits. However, (laughs) everything that's after that, watch this, is made, the lump becomes holy because the first was holy. Say amen to that. So the first step that we talked about is us giving to God I tithe. So here are three other areas where our stewardship is tested. So here's the additional, here's the other keys that I want to show you about. So there are three other areas or keys where our stewardship is tested. Here's the first area, our faithfulness with what we currently have. Number two, how we manage or handle little. And then number three, how you and I manage someone else's stuff. I'm going to say this again because we're talking about keys to maintaining stewardship or maintaining the reign. The first one, after we give to God, the second one is, hey, it's our faithfulness to what we currently have. Number two is how we manage uh, the little that we have. And then number three is how we manage someone else's stuff. Now, next week, I'm going to show you how to literally manage your money. I'm talking about from a kingdom perspective, because once you learn how to manage money from a kingdom perspective, it will change your life. So let's look at now this second key or the first one we're talking about today, which is our faithfulness to what we currently have. Let's look at that one real quick. First Corinthians chapter four, verse two. We're going to read it because it's going to show us what our responsibility is as a steward. It says now I'm reading out of the King James Version. Moreover, it is required. Everybody say required. Now, what's a requirement? A requirement is something that is necessary in order for you to do whatever you're doing. So like in college, how many went to college? Anybody went to college? Okay. Before you take trig, you have to first take algebra. I think that's the, the step, right? Well, if you now, unless you test out. For the most part, you got to take algebra and then you take trig and then you take what else after that? Calculus, which, you know, we didn't have to take that when I was in college, but it is, they taking that in high school now. Praise the Lord. He said it is required in a steward or a manager that a man be found what church faithful. The Amplified Version says, moreover, it is essentially required of stewards or managers that a man should be found faithful, which means proving himself worthy of trust. So here's a take home statement that's very good. Stewardship is learned, but faithfulness is earned. I'm going to say that again. Stewardship is learned, but faithfulness is earned. In other words, you can teach someone how to be a manager. You can teach that. That's why you have to teach your kids, uh, pick up the clothes, teach your kids, fold up this, teach up, teach them to make up their bed. You teach them that because stewardship is learned, but watch this though, but faithfulness is earned. In other words, it's something that you have to prove that you can do. That word faithful there in that verse means dependable. So I have a question. Look at your neighbor and say, he's about to ask you a question. Here's the question. Are you dependable? Can God depend on you? 
Can he depend on you to manage what he has entrusted to you? And here's the thing, church, until you and I change our mentality, we will never reach what I'm going to call new stewardship levels. Because most of us are stuck at a stewardship level because we haven't proven to God at that level that he could trust us. And until you change your mentality, you will never reach new stewardship levels. Because listen, none, listen church, here we go, here's a, here's a stewardship level change. None of what we have is ours. Listen, it's ours from a stewardship standpoint, but it is God's from an ownership standpoint. I'm going to say that again. It is ours at a stewardship or management standpoint, but it is God's from an ownership standpoint. Psalm 24, 124 says this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that live in it. Listen to the New Living Translation of Psalm 89, 11. The heavens are yours and the earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours, God. You created it all. See, once you've settled the ownership position, then we must be ready. Watch this church as I close. We must be ready to give an account from our stewardship position. I'm going to say that again. Once we've settled the ownership position, we must be ready to give an account from a stewardship position. In Luke chapter 16, verse 1, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward or a manager. And the same was accused to him that he was wasting his goods. And he, the owner, called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of you? So then watch what he says to the steward or the manager. Give an account of your stewardship. For you may not be a steward any longer. This is what he asked him. He says, I need you to give an account for your stewardship. And in order to, listen church, in order for you and I to give an account for our stewardship, we must be counting. The NIV version of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 in the NIV version. This was a parable that Jesus was speaking. And it said, Jesus said unto them this parable. He said, suppose of you who had a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he founds it? Here's my question. How does a shepherd know that he's lost one sheep if he wasn't counting? In other words, if you have a 100 sheep at the start of the day, and so let's say midday comes and you decide to count. Oh, wow, I counted 99. Let me count again. One, two, three. Oh, wow, I got 99. So you say to your under shepherd, hey, stay here. We got a sheep missing. See, here's the problem. The only way to give an account for your resources is you have to be keeping up with it. And the only way a shepherd was able to give an account for the sheep that he had, he had to be counting. And most of us were not counting. Watch this. And here's the deception. I will manage better when I get more. Deception says I will manage better when I get more. When God says I will give more when you manage better. Oh, did y'all get that? Y'all get that? Okay, I'm going to say it again. Deception says, I will manage better when I get more. When God says, I will give more when you manage better. So here's the take-home statement as I close. How I manage little 
determines how I will manage much. I'm going to say that again. How I manage little is the determining factor of how I manage much. In other words, it's not... See, most people think, okay, when I get more, this is why people who win the lottery end up losing the money because they hadn't learned how to manage on a smaller level. And you show me people who get lump sums of money, if they haven't learned how to manage small sums of money, I'll show you they're not going to keep that lump sum of money. How many have blown a lump sum of money before? I know I have before, right? Well, listen, how you and I manage little determines how much we manage uh, much. How And so here's a, the third key, and we're closing with this one. How you and I manage or handle little is what determines if much comes. And so I'm not going to read the parable for the lack of, for the, for, uh, for time. But in Matthew chapter 25, I am going to read verse 21. Matthew 25, go down to verse 21 in the media department. Because what I want to do is show you and I what happens when we manage well what God gives us. The parable was the owner came and gave some talents. He gave somebody one. He gave somebody two or three. And then he gave someone five. And so verse 21, he's now commending one of the ones that he gave some to. He says, well done, you good and faithful servant. He says, you have been faithful over what, church? A few things, a few talents, a little money. He says, now because of that, I will make you ruler over what? Okay, look at verse 23. He told the guy, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over what? But if you go down and you read what he said to the person who wasted it, I'm going to read verse 25. He gave the one talent to a person. In verse 25, it says that he said to the, to the owner, I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the earth. And so his Lord called him wicked and slowful. And that's how God looks at us when we don't properly manage our resources. He looks at it as wicked. Why? Because I, I'm not managing something that's not mine. It's like if I allowed you to borrow my car. And I gave you my car for, the, let's say you needed it to drive for a week. And I said, okay, I'll let you drive my car for a week. And you came and I gave you the keys. I gave it to you. It was clean. Had armor all on tires. It was full of gas. It was serviced up. And you know, uh, let's say it had 10,000 miles on it. And you come bring my car back. You're supposed to bring it back in a week. It's a month later. See, I'm already having a problem with that because you didn't even bring it back when you told me. You bring it back and it's not even on E. It's beyond E. My car is running on vapor. It ain't even running on gas. It's running on vapor. Right? And then you wrecked it. And then you bring it to me like, listen, like nothing ain't even wrong. Here you go, Pastor Evan. Thank you so much for letting me use your car. Well, that's what God looks. See how that reaction y'all got? That's how God is when we don't manage well what he gave us. And here's why. Because he wants to give us some more. So I'm closing. Even though it's 1031, I'm closing. Y'all know the story. There was a, When I was in college, I had a friend named Willie. 
Willie was a, a Christian friend of mine. We all went to Bible study together. And, and so Willie was a great guy. But there was a couple of things about Willie. Have y'all ever watched Charlie Brown and you had that guy that, that when he walked around, he was just always full of dirt and, 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 and the fall color, you know, followed him. How many know what I'm talking about? What was that guy's name? Y'all remember? Well, Pigpen. Yeah, Pigpen. <laughs> Willie was kind of like that. Right? Willie was kind of like that. Because Willie, Willie used to stink real bad. And then what topped it off, Willie's breath was bad too. And you know, we was all Christians, so we didn't, you know, everybody smiled. But then, you know, the, the fake Christians would talk behind Willie's back. So I decided one day, okay, I, I need to be real with Willie. I need to tell Willie about himself. I'm going to say it in love, but I got to tell him. Because it's wrong if you see a book in my nose and don't say nothing to me. That's wrong. But I'm making a point here in just a second. So I told Willie. I said, Willie, I had a talk with him one day. I said, Willie, hey, listen, man. I, I know what it was. He came to me. He says, man, Evan, I want to be able to have clothes like you because I was fly back in the city. Y'all think I'm fly now. I was flyer. <laughs> I was flying back in the day. You know, I'd go to the thrill shop and be finding stuff from Neiman Marcus and I'd walk by that stuff. I was clean. I was clean in college, right? So he came to me. He was like, he was like, Evan, man, I want to have some clothes like you. I said, I said, Willie, come here. Let's go to your room. So I went, we, we, we went to Willie's room and, and, and it, typically it's two people to each room. I knew which closet was Willie's. First of all, it was smelly. Second of all, it was clothes hanging over the thing. I'm talking to somebody right now. In your closet, you got clothes hanging over the pole. They not even hung up. They hold the pole here. You got clothes facing this way, clothes facing that way. Your, your closet is jacked up. His closet was bad. And, and he would wear clothes, you know. You, it's okay to wear clothes, you know, more than once if they don't smell. So I had to tell Willie. I told Willie, you know, he got a double dose for me that day. Not only did I tell him he stink, I told him his breath was bad too. <laughs> Willie stayed mad at me for a couple of weeks. But this is what I told him. I said, Willie, I said, if you'll take care of what you got. I said, I promise you, God's going to bring increase into your life. He took that at heart. About a month later, Willie comes back to me. He says, Eben, you will not believe this. I said, what is it? He said, man, God has been blessing me with new clothes left and right. And it's only because Willie decided to take care, watch this, of what God had already blessed them with. And so I'm prophesying to you today that if you would take your next level of management up, you will see God bless you in ways you didn't see. See, the reason I had to make an adjustment to our benevolence budget is because it's based on my stewardship. See, I was helping, but I was hurting. And there are some of you in the room. My question to you is, what's being wasted that you have right now? What's being wasted? Because it's the waste that God is looking. And, and you said, well, Pastor, I'm not wasting. My question is, can you give an account for what you have? So next week, you don't want to miss it. I'm going to show you how to give and keep an account because, see, now we live in a days of check card. Check, 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 check. How do you keep up with that? Right? How do you compare that to a budget? And see, most of you, like next week, I'm going to hand out budget sheets for those of you who don't have them because, if, listen, if you don't get a budget, 
the chances of you getting next level financial management in your life is slim. This church runs by budget. My, I, I keep a budget. I may not stay in my budget all the time, but I got one. And I'm not, listen, you, I, uh, let's see, I am 58. I have not bounced a check in 50 something years. Well, I wasn't writing checks at 10, but y'all know what I'm talking about, right? With every head bow, I believe God is wanting you to examine, first of all, how you give to God, but secondly, readjust your living to properly do your giving. Because sometimes we just have to readjust our life to do what's right. But most of all, today is to structure your financial life where you can give an account. And there's some people, God is ready to take your financing to another level. If you're a business owner, I see customers pouring into your, your business. They just come. You, you're going to be like, where you come from? Where you come from? Where you come from? Where you come from? Because see, remember, it is God that opens the windows of heaven. And it is God that pours out the blessing. It is God that causes it to rain. But he, listen, remember I said on last week. That when we properly manage, it causes it to rain. But when we don't properly manage it, all it does is stay sustained. In other words, it just, it's the same old, same old. So I want to pray a prayer today. And I want everybody to pray it. And this is just a prayer of repentance that says, God, I, I haven't been managing it like I could and like I should. And I just want to start over and start again today. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you're the ultimate sacrifice. You gave your life so that I could have a life. So today, I'm asking you, because you are the Lord of the harvest, to forgive me for not managing right the things that I have. Your word says... When I confess my sin, you're faithful and just to forgive me for my sin and cleanse me from unrighteousness. So today, cleanse me in the name of Jesus. And I'm asking you, Lord, today to press the reset button on my blessings. Today, as I purpose in my heart to manage right, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today for increase pouring into my life like I've never seen before. In Jesus' name, amen. And with every head still bowed, here's my question.